Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Spinning the Reel. I'm your host, Evan. And I'm your host, Zach. That's right, folks. We're back. We've been off for almost two months in solidarity with the uh, striking workers, <laughs> but now in solidarity with Drew Barrymore. We're back in action for the people. Yeah, we're coming off a long hiatus. Um, uh, as of as of now, I think our last episode was was Barbie Oppenheimer, which is as literally of yet. recorded. I think exactly two months ago to be posted by the time you hear this episode. Yeah, as of yet unreleased, but the final That's touches right. in you, editing. You know, everyone jumped onto the scene. Everyone thought, you know, we got to get our Barbenheimer takes out there, but we let ours cook. You know, we let them marinate. We waited until the people were really demanding them. Yeah, and it's perfect timing, actually, with the, this Barbie re-release. That's true. IMAX Barbie. I'm, yeah. I'm going tomorrow. We'll do like a, maybe add like a editor's note of, about the extra footage or right. something. I hope it's just Michael Sarah it, doing it's something only, ridiculous. It's only post-credits. It's not like actual new footage in the right. movie. So. I wonder, do you think, did they um, like film this for IMAX? I don't imagine they did. I guess it's probably just going to be like a large format. Was it even deal. in IMAX in the original no, because I, but I guess that's because Oppenheimer had all the screens, well, right? That's what I'm thinking. Is like even if it was filmed for IMAX, Oppenheimer took all the IMAX screens. So I don't know. I'm thinking that it wasn't, but I'm sure it's going to be a good experience just to see it. You know, I mean, big yeah, and loud Barbie on any big screen. Sign me up. Exactly. How many times have you seen it now? Four. This is going to be my third time seeing yeah. it when uh, when I do. Uh, awesome movie just so good yeah so much fun yeah so we've spent a lot of this intro already just talking about barbie and i guess we mentioned oppenheimer but that's because there's been very little like of substance i feel like that's come out all apologies to gran turismo (laughs) so (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit here in the first section uh about you know just stuff that's that we've been watching since in the last two months because we've been watching stuff in the last two months but you know none of it to the caliber of uh of barbenheimer um and i don't know where do you want to go from there yeah i think you know we don't have a a clear plan we're just kind of talking about the the bit of the the valley that the landscape is in right now with the strikes going on and you know nothing. Barbenheimer was like the tentpole event of the right. summer. Things have calmed down, and then with you know the the studios and um, the guilds on strike, there hasn't been. There's not a lot of like promotion for upcoming projects because they're literally not allowed to. Um, so we'll talk about some stuff that's coming out, some stuff that we've seen since then. You know, interesting yeah. interesting things that are available maybe on streaming now uh, or <clears throat> com- coming to theaters. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't even know what, what the exact plan is, but we're going to, we're going to work gonna our way through it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do it. Let's dive right in. All right, Zach, so let's start here with, I don't know, just some of the things we've been seeing since uh, since we last recorded an episode uh, with Barbenheimer. Um, I'm going to pull up the list of anything that I've seen since uh, 
since then and see if there's anything worth talking about. Why don't we do like just a quick hit here on what I would call the two like bigger movies since then. So I saw Mission Impossible since then. I don't think we ever talked about it on the podcast. No, we didn't. But, um, it was good. I thought it was good. I think it was um, a very poor bit of marketing and, you know, just planning to release it a week before Barbie and Oppenheimer. And uh, it just got caved in by all of that and that's unfortunate because i think it's it's good I, I don't know i don't think it's like transcendent in the way that like fallout was i think that movie is just like edge of your seat thriller action awesome film and this movie has a lot more plot to it a lot more peaks and valleys in terms of the action uh i had fun with it though i thought it was entertaining yeah i have been sleeping on the mission impossible franchise for like the last, the last, uh, I don't know. Since I, I think the last one I, I watched was like Mission Impossible three. Mm-hmm. I think I saw that in theaters. Okay. Um, but what, then what's the one where he climbs uh, the Burj Khalifa? That's Ghost Protocol. Tallest building in the world. Yeah, <laughs> Burj Khalifa in Dubai. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, I think that's Ghost Protocol. Um, but so the last one I saw in theaters was was Mission Impossible three, and then I stopped like following the franchise for most of my adult life. In the last couple of years, I think maybe in 2020 is when I started picking it up again to yeah. like come back because uh, I had sort of written it off and then other people around me had been like, no, it's actually good. Like, you should check right. it out. I think you included Since in that. Since Christopher McQuarrie came in, it's been kind of like back. Yeah. We're back, you know? So since since 2020, I've watched the entire franchise again. And, yeah, it's it's awesome. I mean, MI2 is not good, but um, <laughs> Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation – uh, Fallout and now Dead Reckoning Part One. I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. Um, I completely agree that Dead Reckoning itself is a victim of of a couple of things going against it. Number one, um, they they filmed it like as soon you know Tom Cruise is kind of a lunatic, so as soon as yep. they were able to start filming to start production. Uh, they did, and it was like at the height of COVID restriction and protocols. Do you think they and should have included the video of him screaming at uh, the people <laughs> working on the film? Hell the yeah, film? dude. Absolutely. I mean, he is being an asshole in that recording, yeah. but he also, that's like. He's being an asshole to get people to wear masks and like he, it, you protect can, each other and so they can keep filming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like he's passionate about the project and like everyone's safety as well you know he's not it's not like the christian bale rant where he's just going off on some pa for sure doing something like sean penn or whatever yeah like (laughs) fuck sean penn um did you see his comments the other like i haven't seen the other day his uh about the melting down yeah 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 because will smith slapped so stupid chris rock at the oscars he melted down his his Oscar statue. Yeah, what a fucking asshole. He's he's such an idiot. Um uh but so yeah, so they were filming, you know, at the height of at the height of uh the COVID like restrictions on productions and also that the production, the the movie had a bit of an inflated budget because they were spending so much money paying those people sure. like additional, you know, hazard pay and, and COVID pay because of the way that the production was being handled, which I think is pretty good. Like yeah, that's, that's a good, that thing. Is a good thing. And he is, and you know, he uh, went to bat for that essentially, and you know, made sure that people were getting paid right um, fairly and for the for the risks that they were taking. And so that you know, 
inflated the budget of the movie. So that put some pressure on them to release it, to start making a return. Um, I don't think anyone really expected uh, the massive atom bomb that was Barbenheimer. You know, right? Of of course, both those movies are highly anticipated from from prominent directors, but both were just so dominant. Uh, right, like nothing has been a I, Barbie was the top movie in the box office for like four weeks straight or something like that. You know? Yeah, it really had legs for sure. And Oppenheimer, pretty much, you know, even for a Nolan film, blew all expectations of. I think it's the highest or grossing R-rated film of all time, highest grossing biopic of all time. Like, yeah, for just like a prestige drama right. of, of yeah, uh, in a biopic, absolutely obliterated all expectations. Um, and so it, the placement of, of Mission Impossible just kind of unfortunate in that respect really didn't get yeah. room to, to they, breathe. They really needed to be a week or two earlier and at, or at or least later, like two yeah. or three weeks later to, because there's nothing out right now. And that's why we're doing this seg- section, you know, like I think the top movies coming out this week are um, the Equalizer three and, <laughs> and my big fat Greek wedding three, like, you know, maybe that's for somebody, but you know, I don't think it's like must see, got to go to the movies kind of thing. Yeah, definitely not. And so it kind of got it kind of got railroaded there. But uh, again, I think it was good. I think it suffers a little bit. We talked about this when we talked about um, across the Spider Verse. It's one of these kind of like you know, the movie ends and it's a cliffhanger. There's another you know three hour movie that is going to complete this story. And for something like Across the Spider-Verse, that's fine. Like, you know, a comic book movie especially. I think we're all used to being like an open-ended thing where, you know, it leads into the next thing. But a Mission Impossible movie, nobody nobody gives a fuck about the plot of a Mission Impossible movie. Like, honestly, you know, there's some oh, bad guy terrorist villain. And yeah. I understand this one's like AI and it's topical or whatever, but I could not care less what he was after or why he was after it or who was trying to kill him or why they were trying to kill him. You just want to see uh, Tom Cruise doing crazy stunts. And there yeah. is a lot of that. And when that's happening, like the whole like ending sequence with the train is just top tier edge of your seat stuff. And the rest of it's just kind of like, all right, we got to go get this key from this guy and go find the other half of the key from this guy. And it's just kind of like, it, I don't care about this. You know, I just wish they... It's the one franchise going right now that seems to truly understand what people want from it. And I think this movie was like, you know what, let's try and get a little bit more, you know, into what's going on in the world of Ethan Hunt. And I just don't care. Yeah, it definitely feels like uh, like uh, they're trying to sort of step up in terms of the threat you know because right. you, you always you if, if in, with like a franchise like this you feel like you always have to go bigger sure you know and yeah ai is is certainly topical um but yeah i think you're absolutely right that most people who are are coming to see mission impossible or just want to see ethan hunt do crazy shit you know uh myself included i did like drives the, a motorcycle off the cliff it's great yeah i did like i did like the the plot itself you know um obviously some of it's a little bit convoluted and it doesn't exactly line up with our real world which is to be expected but as far as everything like i i'm a huge fan i, I really like dead reckoning uh, obviously i think 
Fallout. They killed Rebecca Ferguson. That's a, yeah, that should that, be a crime. That's the worst part, right. honestly, is I, you know, the, is that fake out? It's like a double fake out. First, you think she's dead, and then she's back to life, and then they kill her again right. almost immediately. <laughs> And Rebecca Ferguson's character is so cool. It's really yes. interesting. To and they like, replace. And I like Haley Atwell in this movie too. Yeah, me too. I thought but she like, was good. She is just the. I don't know. I've I've been noticing this in movies. I can't remember. I saw something else where they did this too. But the, this trope of like the master pickpocket in a movie where all all anyone has to do is just bump into somebody and they've got everything that is in their personal belongings immediately. And I think it's just so funny to watch a movie like that where it's just like. Yeah, you never know who has what or what, and that makes it fun because it's like, where's this key? Because anyone that brushed up against anyone at any point probably has it now, and it's uh, it's pretty fun. But that's her whole character is basically just like, I'm really good at grabbing things from people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's just a a thief. Um, I I I I mean, I don't know what else to say. I I liked it a lot. I had a lot of fun with it. It was fun, and I hope more people see it when it yeah, is probably I'm excited like for the Paramount next installment, you know. Um that wasn't even the one I was talking when I was talking about the big movies that have come out since though. That I think there's two that have been maybe a little bit bigger than the others. Um Blue Beetle. Uh, I don't know that I have much to say about Blue Beetle. It was stupid, but it kind of knows that it's stupid. Um I guess a golf clap for representation but at the same time it really feels like this movie is i i don't know I, you obviously can speak to this better than i can but i feel like the i don't know for me it was like this weird experience of watching like all right this is the first big studio like marvel or dc uh obviously this one's dc um latino superhero and he basically just like a bug takes over his body and then fights a bunch of stuff. And I feel like the character is given such little, um, like Jaime, right? That's his name. I don't even remember. Yeah, like exactly. He's given such little agency. Like basically, you just get this guy who like he was he went to college, couldn't find a job, and then you know he kind of stands up sort of for somebody, but mostly because it's a pretty girl. And then, you know, it. I don't know. He doesn't really do anything in the movie. It's really all the yeah. the Beatle. And I think that, like, great, we're having the representation in a movie. But, like, you want that hero to actually be, like, you know, a hero and, like, feel like they're – I don't know. I just – it felt like a messy movie. And I, I was entertained, but I, was, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it. Yeah, I feel a little bad, like, for, you know, I I don't know anyone's name off the top of my head except George Lopez right now, but for anyone that attached themselves to this, like, I I, I feel bad uh, saying that it's just, like, a complete failure, but that's really how I feel. Mm -hmm. You know, I I do think it's cool that that it is uh, uh, predominantly Latino representation. I mean, Miles Miles Morales is Latino also, but... Yeah, you get you get this kind of like representation that isn't as common in in superhero media. Uh, so that at least is absolutely cool. A shield for any criticism, definitely not. Um, and I, to me personally, when I was sitting in the theater, I felt like the movie was trying to like pander to me mm-hmm. almost. And maybe I'm alone in that. You know, I can't speak for for everybody, but. I, it felt like they were overdoing it a little bit. Right. And then as far as the the movie and Blue Beetle himself, 
it just feels like five years too late for me. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing that happens that we haven't already seen. You know, it's basically if you just take like Iron Man and Spider Man and three other heroes and mishmash their origin stories all together, right. you get Blue Beetle. Um, and I personally didn't care for like, you know, the the family is strength stuff that we've seen so many times because it felt undercooked to me. Um, Can we talk for a second about Nana, Nana Reyes in the <laughs> film? I've been hearing a lot of people being like, that is so funny. It's so awesome. She's like the revolutionary coming. In. That joke got old the first time they did it. Like literally when she yeah. when she picks up the gun and they're like, how do you know how to do that? You're like, okay, that's kind of funny. And then they do that same joke like six times. Yeah. And you're like, right, we get it. It's the, the old ladies a revolutionary fighter we get it yeah they definitely keep coming back to the same well multiple times for each of the characters that are almost like shades of representation you know uh, they're they're just they're one dimensional for the most part um and then i really felt like susan Sarandon could not give less of I a shit i was say i'm not sure she she just showed she up. She cashed the check and yeah. was like, all right, guys. Yeah. She showed up. She did her line reads and refused to do any other takes because <laughs> what the hell? She's genuinely yeah. one of the worst performances I've seen this year. Just like you could tell she did not. She did not care at all. Yeah. And then I absolutely loathe the ending because it's all it's this happens all the time in, in movies where it's like a corporate villain or, you know, the system is the sure. villain. Uh, you know that's capitalism baby but essentially the film ends with the position that if you just put a good person in charge of right, a billion nice dollar corporation will yeah, make it better <laughs> get fucked um so yeah blue beetle did not did not did, like did it. not did not work for you yet yeah, me either um i that's probably all we need for blue beetle uh gran turismo is the other one that i don't know if that's even really a big movie i don't I think anybody saw it but my god what a strange film <laughs> deeply <laughs> deeply strange probably the best video game movie of all time <laughs> i guess <laughs> i just like that is an absolutely low bar so many unbelievably bizarre decisions in this movie like even just beginning with you've got this story right and it's actually a pretty interesting story right this kid was like a gran turismo playstation 5 arcade simulator like player and was good at it and they did this ridiculous like we're gonna bring the gamers in to see if any of them can drive and he became a racer and actually like won a race but i don't know like starting the movie out with like Back in whatever fucking year, this guy created a video game, and it, it's just framed around Sony and Gran Turismo the game so much that it's like, what is the movie we're watching? I think it literally the title. It's corny as hell. For literally sure. the title on like the release press was Gran Turismo based on a true story. <laughs> like, this is the kind of thing we're dealing with here. Yeah. So weird. Um had its moments but it was an odd film yeah i mean it's definitely there's some tonal whiplash at a few points um and they just really try to punch up some of the drama uh that really in my opinion falls kind of flat 
we spend a way too much time in this like romance side plot that is yes which doesn't so even boring. really nothing actually builds to it it's just yeah. like this girl hits on him at a party and then he's obsessed with her for you know however long and then turns out she's just been like waiting for him to text her and then she flies off to wherever i don't know germany or wherever he is at the time like it's just a weird romance they yeah, don't, they don't spend much time on it to build. It's certainly build not. It. Yeah, it's not developed at all. I mean, he's just like you know, essentially a teenager. He's barely an adult, and mm-hmm. you know, likes this girl from from back home. And so, yeah, fine. But we get like an entire sequence of them like romancing. Yeah, who gives a shit? <laughs> you know, like who cares? There's a, um, such a bizarre like uh, Sony. I don't even know what they're called, but like a Sony media player thing where he's like gotta get um his coach or what what is oh, you're um, talking about the mp3 david the MP3, david harbour's character the mp3 player. yeah i don't know what a sony mp3 player is even called but he has to like go get him the so like it, it's clearly like he's basically almost zoom in on the sony yeah. because this whole movie is like practically product placement but it's uh i, I don't know it's got its moments orlando bloom is giving awesome. Perhaps the worst the performance line reading of the year, of all time. The best line reading of the year. Literally, he he is like having full conversations with people with like a blank stare on his face, has no reaction to anything going on around him. I unironically love Orlando Bloom in this movie. He is so bad in it. Um, Just every and since I've seen the trailer for this movie so many times that it like makes me sick. But that the line "Welcome to Team Nissan" is just burned into my brain. It's horrible. etched in there. And Truly I, horrible. I fucking love it. it. I've been like Guantanamo with this line. Like <laughs> it's, I've come around on it. And <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, the movie is 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 pretty mediocre. It is a cool racing movie. I think. Yeah, that's true. Some um, of the racing sequences are pretty uh, gripping. I think anytime you just get a fast car whipping around a track, it's like. Yeah, it gets it gets the, going a little bit. The but. movie has good bones, you know. Like the story is incredible to the point of like almost unbelievable, right? Um, and just kind of like it's just a, a cool, inspiring story that 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 was able to happen, and someone was able to do that. And when the movie is focusing on that, and like you know, not trying to. Uh, punch up you know elements of drama that are added to to maybe make the feel make the story feel more weighty i guess and like right. trying to attach more it like to these movie. characters sure yeah you know they probably were probably felt like there was it wasn't relatable enough for an audience or something you know yeah but yeah when the movie's focusing on the racing and especially david harbour's character who was a professional racer and then got into an accident uh, and then lost his nerve in his words. Um, those, Invented character, those, by the way, not a not a real person. But still, like right. that is that's actually compelling. Yeah, you know, as opposed to some where they they spend some of their time uh, with other characters, and then right. also just and some the, of the real characters aren't that interesting. You yeah, know? like the also parents just like, have an interesting point of view, but they are kind of I don't know, barely people in this movie. I mean, yeah, they're just the boilerplate parents that are like you know your dream you're dreaming too big like come right. back to the real world kind right. of thing uh but even like the the first competition because the movie's broken down basically into two competitions right you have he gets chosen for uh three technically right 
the uh the gt academy yeah the Turismo mm-hmm. academy where they're gonna promote somebody which they make this out to be the first one it was actually i think the second one that he went through but it doesn't matter then the second set of like trials here is that he has to finish at least fourth in a race yeah and then the third one is to me the most ridiculous one i mean he was a part of the winning team at or i think they bronzed right they took third well so i looked this up and I'll, i'll i'll get to that in just a second but the most ridiculous thing is the way this is framed in the movies orlando bloom is like after the accident nissan is gonna drop you Unless an all gamer team, it's because battles at at well, it's, it's because the at least in the movie, I don't know if this happened in real life. They want to ban sim racers. Yeah, there was like a petition signed by you know right. a Would, dozen teams or something saying that that uh, sim drivers on the track make it more dangerous for the the, driver, the drivers who and came the up audience too in yeah. professional professional right. racing, which is fine. But like the solution to this is like let's let a team of all sim drivers race in like uh, the 24 hours of Le Mans, which is like a super dangerous race, at least in the concept of the movie. Um, and historically I would say, yeah, but, but, but anyway, so like, that's the thing. And then they go in. So in reality, so they finished third in, in this movie and it's very dramatic. He comes in and raises the last leg and, and uh, charges up into third place. Mm-hmm. Um, in reality, they finished fourth and then a car in front of them got disqualified. <laughs> So they oh, wow. they finished third by by disqualification. So which isn't very cinematic, understandably why they changed it, but uh just you know, a lot of just weird things in this movie. I think during that final sequence of the Le Mans race, uh he's like dialed in racing and uh the car deconstructs and then it like reconstructs his bedroom and he's like sim racing yeah. again and i'm just like you went from like this thrilling down to the wire car race at the end and decide to cut into that to have him in his bedroom just to remind everybody that he got a start on gran turismo and that his dad didn't believe in him i guess but yeah. like just uh, weird just a weird movie from start to finish i feel like with that kind of source material you, you could have done something better <laughs> well only one thing left to say i guess and that's welcome to team nissan terrible unbelievable um <laughs> line reading of the year and it, what else do you want to talk about that's come out since uh since then did you like ninja turtles i did i thought it was fun yeah i see I like Ninja Turtles too. Also, uh, I thought it was pretty good. I am wary of Spider Verse's influence on animation, but I think result. it's distinct. Like, I think this had a, a sort of like claymation feel to it. Like, obviously, it wasn't, but that kind of influence. It was the Spider Verse comic booky thing, but with like its own twist to it. But even like the 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 other big animation of last year was um puss in boots and that also really kind of aped that style it did um which was a movie i wasn't like super high on. i mean i liked that movie a lot yeah. aside from the animation i think it was Just, fine like yeah. this the story of it is great i i really enjoyed that a lot i think it definitely deserves all the praise it gets but i de- i do see uh the ripple effect that that spider-verse has had yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of mixed on it because I do think that 
you look at those three movies and clearly Spider-Verse had an influence on the other two. And I think it's something we talked about with Across the Spider-Verse is that like all of these other movies in the aftermath of it have tried to sort of mimic or riff on that style and then across the spider-verse comes out and it's just like no we're gonna do it but better again yeah and blow you out of the water and it's it's the most incredible looking animation maybe i've ever seen like it's up there with and everything is so thoughtful you know yeah exactly it's not just an it's not an aesthetic it's like a beating part of the story exactly and each character is designed so thoughtfully and all those things but i think puss in boots brings a little bit more of a like a storybook kind of instead of like a comic book it's more of like a I don't know like like a story picture book kind of style with the same sort of mm-hmm. you know cutting and then uh, again I think Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles brings its own look to that same sort of style but I guess my thing is and, and I guess we could include even like Wolf Walkers or something and like any of the um any of those films uh what is that studio called the cartoon saloon cartoon saloon that's right like that kind of 2d tailoring to it 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 does feel distinct but i guess i'm just feeling like we have gone through since you know you want to go all the way back to chicken little you know that (laughs) brought this into existence this uh or, or even the pixar movies i guess probably are really what people are trying to mimic um but like any of this like 3d pre-molded animation that has become the preeminent model for animated movies these days anything that gets away from that Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio anything that's kind of stop motion as well uh is just such a refreshing thing and maybe that won't be the case maybe every movie is going to start looking like Spider-Verse and it's going to be like all right guys do something new like figure out your own style it's not creative anymore but for me, it's just like I would forever rather look at a movie that looks like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, than I would watch another like Frozen movie that look all the characters look like they are, mm. you know, just spit out of a, a computer generation. You feel that about like Elemental too? Because uh, I think the last couple of Pixar have have had a similar kind of style like that. I think Elemental did some interesting things with um, textures. Like using the elements and actually like making the environment and the characters feel like they are more fluid is is yeah. interesting. I think I, I, I'm thinking like maybe since like the good dinosaur, their character designs have kind of looked similar right. to me. Like I'm thinking like Luca as well, sure. Inside Out. Yeah. Elemental now. And and what's the next one? Wish, I think, looks pretty similar. Well, so Wish looks a little different. Like, it is going to be a... That's not a Pixar. It's a... Oh, is that Disney it's Animation? Di- it's Disney Animation's 100th movie, apparently. Oh. Why did or I maybe it's it not their Pixar? 100th movie. It's their 100th anniversary. Something like that. But it's not. That movie is actually... I don't think it's 2D. I think it is still 3D. But it's supposed to have, like, a... Almost, like, painterly look to it. Hmm. And it... You can tell in the trailer it's got like a different dimension. No, um, why am I saying wish? No, the other the Pixar one where he goes to space. And oh, they think Elio. He's the, that's yeah, the one. It, yeah. That, that I mean that looks like Pixar generic Pixar. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. And like they they are, and I I think Pixar's thing is like they have run out of racetrack in terms of like technology. Like they're constantly pushing the boundaries and trying to add more elements and and all of that kind of thing. 
But I mean, like you remember when? Uh, I mean, I guess we were too young when Monsters Inc. came out to be really engaged in the discourse. But like, the revolutionary part about that movie was like the t- fur texture they were able to do was like mm, was so impossible before. And at this point, it feels like the the technology has caught up basically, and so you know you can only push those boundaries so far. And now it's kind of figuring out how to create a distinct look for your movie or your your characters or something like that. But I mean, I th- I was not bothered by the way that TMNT looked. Yeah, no, me neither. Um, it's just something that uh, that stuck out to me. Like, I'm not saying it as a way to detract from the movie. Um, it's just something that I noticed that, uh, and I have noticed sitting in theaters watching some animated movies the last couple of years since uh what that was like 2018 when um into the spider-verse came out right uh but yeah no i and i think um as i was watching it i felt that they really leaned heavily into the sort of like topical lingo and a lot of references online humor tiktok stuff happening today and I think that's gonna date the movie pretty hard. Yeah. Um, but as a <clears throat> afterwards, I get why they did it like because they're teenagers well, yeah. that are immersed in the pop culture, and that's like yeah, and that's what it is to their characters now. Yeah, and I thought it was super interesting too because at the time, you know, I'm just watching and thinking that they like wrote this kind of stuff in there, but no, they just you know a lot of that stuff they just let the kids let say whatever they wanted. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh really? You didn't know no, that? I yeah, didn't, I no. Didn't. So the the um, something that had been bouncing around Twitter for a little while was the scene where they're parroting the the I think it's side talk NYC guys on on TikTok who are okay. always like, "We outside," like you know, like right. let me get a bacon egg and cheese with the hockey style that thing. You remember that scene where they're like uh, vaguely? I mean, yeah. So they're having Iowa to Berry or April O'Neil yeah. film them, and they're like, they start joking about this stuff that they see online. Yeah, and uh, it's like super repetitive. And then she's like, "Yeah, I don't think people are gonna like you I, for yes, this." Yes, I remember. And then that, they yeah. keep they keep <laughs> going. Yeah. Well, so I mean, that's like super topical, you know, cultural TikTok stuff. And uh, someone had posted the clip and was like, "This is the most." seen and and like embarrassed i've ever felt to be from new york like or something like that and then people were talking about how like it was bad for the movie to do that because it really dates it and all this stuff and they it sounds corny right but then other people were like no this is like how teenagers talk right Right. now yeah and And, and that's the thing it's like a time capsule too you know like and then there was like a little featurette that that someone linked to that was like they Seth Rogen and the producers and stuff they put all the actors in the same booth as opposed to how they normally do these kind of voiceover roles where I think it's a great separately. decision when you're recording teenagers like yeah. hanging out yeah. and then they literally just were like all right hey you know we did we did what was written you guys take 15 minutes and just do whatever you want and right. so then someone that literally started as like a joke that one person brought up and they all just started riffing with each other and then that improvisation is what made it into the movie that's awesome and I yeah love that. i think that that is pretty cool right. even in, even if you know in 10 years <laughs> you know people, kids watching the movie and be like what the hell like yeah what? right you know but but i think it's cool because you can go yeah. back and like look at a movie from a long time ago and be like oh that's what you know was the thing back then and i think this is I agree that it's very saturated with um, references and and it probably will feel a little dated, but I think that's fine. Like, you know, this movie is a 
product of its time and its era or whatever and especially if that's just what the kids were doing like whatever um i thought it a bit ironic too that the splinter is so concerned with them being milked and like that's literally what the movie so is funny. doing I, it's like right. it's just milking this ip for- but i will say that that progression of jokes got me though like at, yeah. the, at the end when they do get milked yeah. it was it <laughs> yeah. was pretty funny yeah yeah uh what what else uh, do you have anything at all to say about haunted mansion did you watch that i did watch haunted mansion um i, th- I thought people were uh, I don't know, a little harsh on it. I thought it was fine. Yeah, me too. It yeah. was okay. Yeah, you know? it was just fine. I was surprised how much I like Owen Wilson in it, actually. Yeah, uh, I'm he's a, pretty funny. I'm a big fan of Lakeith Stanfield, so I, yeah. I like him in pretty much anything he does. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of over Tiffany Haddish, I think. you got to watch Landscape with Invisible Hand because she's – very good in it yeah not a not a great movie but she's great in it but the last good thing i saw in was like bad trip (laughs) (laughs) she's so funny in that (laughs) but yeah no i don't know she was good oh no she wasn't that good in the card counter no she hated that that was a movie that didn't understand what no one that was in it except for oscar isaac understood what was being asked of them and william defoe was good i don't even i think even think william defoe was awkward in that movie Mm. but but yeah, no, I think that's where I started going a little bit sour on on her. But uh, uh, she's also actually really good in um, Apple TV's uh, After Party. Okay. Um, playing like a, a detective. But she, um, doesn't she play a detective in something else too? She's like a detective with um, Ike Barinholtz and something. I can't remember what. But <laughs> that's uh, the Nick Cage movie, Unbearable Weight of Mass. Oh Power. yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. She's hardly in it though. So yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else here. We just saw Dumb Money at a um, uh, excellent movie. Very fun. Very funny. I don't want to get into it. Um, I'm in the industry and can't talk about that <laughs> stuff. So um, it's on a gag order. It basically it is. But uh, yeah, so with that, will you know, watch Dumb you and Cody can do a special episode yeah. about that if he ever watches it. Well, I, I'd so be curious what he. We've thinks been about talking it. about what like you know the bigger things that have come out, but anything you want to highlight that you've seen that you know probably isn't on people's radar or didn't get a wide release, for example. Yeah, so it's been like the the dark days of. Uh, the theaters basically since Barbie and Oppenheimer have come out. So watched a lot of different things at home. Some old classics like the, the Nice Guys and watched Lilo and Stitch. Um, rewatched Boys State. You've seen Boys State, Boys right? Boys State's great. Yeah, such a good movie. Um, I was sick the other day, and uh, you know we didn't talk about Bottoms. Uh, That's one I was going to bring up. Um, okay, well we'll you... talk about it then. Yeah, I watched. Uh, so. Uh, my girlfriend Anna and I watch a lot of our movies together, and uh, do you? we certainly do. And uh, so, you know, when I was sick, I was trying to watch some movies that she maybe wouldn't have wanted to see, and that meant watching Transformers: Rise of the Beasts yes. and Champions, um, two movies that I would classify as bad um, <laughs> for different reasons. But uh, I would not recommend these movies to anyone. I I feel for uh, Stephen Capel Jr for transformers he's the guy that did creed 2 um you can tell he's really trying to do something that speaks to some of the ideas of like you know racism or discrimination um the the healthcare system but this is all inside of a movie that is about alien robots that turn into 
either cars or beasts and then fight other alien robots that turn into either cars or beasts. Um, and then some, for some reason, brings G.I. Joe in at the end. Yeah, so, that, like, that is insane to me. That post-credits, I was like, <laughs> God damn it. Just Also, M- Michelle Yeoh is crazy employed. She's in everything I right now. I was shocked that, you know, <laughs> that was I, lots of weird. Pete Davidson being the, yeah. uh, the uh, Mirage, who was the main uh, Transformer in this one. Very much the jazz um, role of this one. Yeah. Or Bumblebee, I guess. I guess he's kind of – but Bumblebee is in it, so yeah. it's weird to say. Mm-hmm. And then um, the uh, who was uh, in this one that shocked me? Uh, you also have the guy from Ted Lasso. Uh, oh, yeah, which was, uh, you know, nice because you can recognize his voice right away. And it's kind of like – you're like, all right, that's that's pretty. Um, Anthony, what's Coleman his name? Dom- Coleman Domingo. That I did as, not – As Unicron was weird. Like, yeah. you, uh, you can't – really tell anyone's voice because they're all modulated but anyway weird movie champions um we talked about our skepticism to this like earlier in the year i haven't seen this one yet yeah it's um it's a uh, woody harrelson's stars in right, it. right it's uh bobby farley who you know one half of the farley brothers who made such you know cinematic masterpieces as shallow howl <laughs> and hall pass <laughs> um People like Hall Pass. People like all their movies for some reason. Yeah. But, like, his brother has gone on to become somehow a prestige director with things like uh, Green Book and Bad Movie and The Greatest Beer Run Ever, which I don't think really reached to the heights that people thought it would. But you, you another. talk bad about my boy Chicky Donahue like that? <laughs> I sure will. Um, but, you know, the thing about this movie that I think we all sort of highlighted around the time is that these guys produced the movie The Ringer, which is just a horrible, like, assault on, um, you know, intellectually disabled people. And yeah. it's just offensive film. And so he's back in the same, Bobby Fairley is, back in the same sort of realm of, like, this, you know, I, I don't know. There's Woody, no, like, Johnny Knoxville in this one, though. True. And Woody Harrelson's character isn't as ignorant in this movie, but he's still at his, like, trial for crashing into a car drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, still says the R word to the judge before coming around and realizing that these are people. And, like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's a movie where all of the characters are actually really given a lot of agency and voice and like room to to be seen for who they are for people and they're all given like uh you know like this is this is who this is and this is what they're into and but at the same time they are just like out there parroting sex jokes and sure like being used as the joke a little more I, any amount is too much but like you know you it's a lot and so i i don't know i just I think this one at least has its heart in the right place, but it's still just, you know, I think if you're a Farley brother, maybe stay away from that subject. <laughs> I think maybe we've heard what you have yeah, to say about the that. The walls run dry. So those ones were the bad ones. Uh, and then Anna and I together watched a, a movie called, and this was a movie that won, I think, the Audience Award at uh, Sundance. Mm-hmm. was one of those ones that we weren't able to watch or maybe we didn't get around to, something like that, um, called A Thousand and One. And I don't think a lot of people have seen this movie. It's streaming on Peacock. It was it was at Regal for like a week. Right. And I missed it. I wanted to see it, but I missed it. 
It's very good. It's uh, basically a story of this woman and her son across 20 years, basically, maybe 15 years, something like that. Uh, she gets out of prison, and her son's in the system now, and she's basically, like, trying to see him when she can. This is, like, ni- 94 or something like that. And she decides to protect him. She has to kidnap him. So she, she takes him. He's been trying to run away from his home uh, all these years, like the foster homes and stuff all these years. So she takes him in, and then, you know, time jump to 2001, you know, they've survived this time and are, you know, living together. Time jump again to 2000, I don't know, six or something like that, when he's going to graduate from high school. And uh, it's basically just the story of, like, these people trying to survive under a system that is out to get them, grapples with this sort of, like, moral ambiguity of, like, her actions and their actions collectively also is all set in the backdrop there are like voiceovers of political ads and speeches by like Rudy Giuliani and Michael Bloomberg as like the mayors of New York at the time and sort of like a gentrifying neighborhood and all this stuff like it's all very interesting and then there's this like massive twist towards the end that recontextualizes everything that you've seen going into it and I won't spoil it here because I think people should see this movie and it's just fascinating like it's a really good well-acted movie i i would recommend that you watch it like, like i said it's on peacock so you should be able to definitely find it list. somewhere but it's it's awesome it's uh it's up there for me this year so that one was actually like a pretty cool find in the last few months anything else i i think that's gonna be it for me right now um you said you want to talk about bottoms here in a minute so i yeah. will leave it to you so just um, you know i asked you if there was anything you wanted to highlight so the mirror of that question for me um, two things I have, and then uh, I also bottoms is kind of like at the bottom of, the, of what I want to talk sure. about. Also, uh, I want to talk about talk to me. Okay. And I want to talk about theater camp. Theater camp. So theater camp is one that we saw at Sundance. Sundance. I haven't seen it since. Yeah. I've seen it a few times cause it did have a small theatrical run, mm-hmm. uh, but now it's available on Hulu. Um, it's just one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. It's, it's hilarious. It's got that deadpan sensibility that you just, yeah, it's, it's so a, it's, so it's very much like mockumentary, you know, office, you know, style parks and rec kind of humor, a little bit more quippy, I think. Um, and some of the jokes are delivered exactly like you said in that deadpan style where it's like, what are you for Iowa to beer you? Yeah, absolutely. Also very employed on the level of, of Michelle Yeoh. Uh, She's in everything right now. Um, but theater camp is the story of a theater camp, as suggested in the title, in which the main uh, the camp director um, ends up in a coma right before um, the the main session of the summer, um, leaving her <laughs> her incompetent son to run the camp. Uh, along with the neurotic counselors and just the lovable kids. Um, And it's just this mix of of comedy and, you know... uh, Sort of fabricated drama. Yeah, and and just like this sort of like heartfelt kind of touching 
uh, message of like, you know, these kinds of places exist for people to come to where, you know, they don't necessarily have anywhere else to go or that they fit in, you know, and uh, it's, it's just absolutely hilarious. Right. This, this, this movie is so funny. Um, it almost makes you want to forgive Ben Platt for. Do you have I was answer? about to say the same yeah. thing. Molly Gordon and Ben Platt are as like that pair of uh, yeah. counselors are mm-hmm. so funny that it really like Molly Gordon has done no wrong, but like Ben Platt, you, you can <laughs> forgive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're just oh man, Ben Platt especially with how how petty he is and like just. Yeah, him and he, him and Molly Gordon are are the main characters. Rebecca, Diane, and I can't remember Ben Platt's. I don't. I don't name know. right it's now. Been too long since I've seen. It. Yeah. I, I want to watch it again though. But uh, they've been counts. They were you know campers for for a lot of years, and now they're they've been counselors for like a decade, and they're just kind of like these you know adults in Arrested Development that haven't really moved on. Yes. From this stage of their life, and so the way that they not take it out on the kids, but like interact with them in some ways and just you know it's 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 so so funny it's in that in that same i guess vein of like i i don't know recent movies like game night blockers uh um book smart that's just like rewatchable quotable yeah like absolutely. super super funny absolutely movies. yeah um and if you are a person who is like involved or peripheral to theater or know a theater kid or anything like that if you are on the pulse at all in any fashion of theater culture this movie is gonna just like it's for you destroy your funny bone it's yeah it's hilarious um (laughs) yeah that's you know so so good i don't know how else to sell it yeah definitely available on hulu right now uh excellent excellent movie the other thing i want to talk about uh is actually Talk to Me, which is a horror movie. Yep. Very low-budget horror movie uh, out of Australia. And um, the story is these teenagers, I guess, you know, they're in high school. They find a porcelain hand okay. that apparently is a mold of, of, of a, a woman who was killed at, like, a witch trial. So, like, belongs to this dead medium witch kind of person. Right. And uh, they invent this party game around it, which is like essentially just a seance uh, where you light a special candle and then you hold the hand like you're shaking it. Okay. And you say, talk to me. And then a spirit appears in front of you. And if you're holding hand, you can see them. But if, you, if you're not... You, and they you visualize can't. this in the movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. And then after you say, talk to me, you say, okay, I, I let you in. And then you get possessed and the ghost you know the spirit takes a hold of you and communicates whatever they're trying to or you know uses your body in whatever and they're way. different spirits for each person yeah or? it's oh, random it's completely random every okay. time every time you invoke talk to me it, it changes and so the rules of the game are you can't go over 90 seconds that's like the only rule okay. they sit you on, they sit you on a chair they tie up they tie you up they put a belt around you so you can't escape the chair yeah. and then uh, that you can't hold on for more than ninety seconds, otherwise. That sounds interesting. I actually am intrigued by this. Otherwise, they try. Otherwise, the spirits might try to stay. Is is what they what they say. So, okay. <clears throat> the movie has this very powerful, horrific opening, but then you get into the main plot where uh, the the main girl has had a tragedy in her life with her mom um, uh, committing suicide. Oh, jeez. 
yeah, I guess, you know, oops, content warning. But uh, yeah, so, you know, she she has that trauma in her life and she feels kind of isolated and some of her friends are kind of, you know, not really there for her in a way. And uh, she gets invited to this party where it's been there's been rumors going around about this this hand and people getting possessed and stuff, but they don't believe it. They think it's a joke that it's not real. They go to this party where it's supposed to happen and then she volunteers to go first and it's completely real. And so then it becomes this sort of metaphor for like drug addiction and, you know, um, self-medicating as a response to trauma and like the isolation that that comes with. And it it just completely worked for me. Like from yeah. from the beginning to the end, I think it it makes a lot of sense. It's a completely apt metaphor, and it's fucking slick. Like it's very it's you know just under ninety minutes. The punches land and has one of the best montages of like a party. And if you think of like a you know a party scene you would see in like a typical movie, like a, a teenage movie or something more adult, maybe uh, or or even to invoke you know sam levinson's like euphoria that kind of like you had me on board until you said euphoria but uh, well so like i, if, I, I don't know it. if you've seen euphoria no, but the not. vibe is like oh, or have you seen spring breakers it's like it's like an aesthetic like a i, I get what you're, you're saying i yeah it, i get the idea it's like oppressive in its opulence almost mm-hmm. I, you know maybe opulence isn't the right word but it's definitely trying to to show you something and it's very it's a very clear metaphor it's like impossible to miss but the montage itself is fucking sick the music the way the camera is like rotating as people are like you know getting getting possessed by the spirit and like it just it it looks fucking cool yeah um and then just absolutely hits these characters like a train and and the way that they respond to it i really enjoyed talk to me i the first time i saw it i was kind of like i totally see the hype cuz it had been getting a lot of praise and you know people talking about it being like the horror movie of the year and stuff like that and uh you know i'm I'm not the biggest horror fan but i do enjoy it and so i, I wanted to see it went and sat down and saw it. it was completely floored and and then i watched it again a couple of weeks later and on rewatch still just as powerful yeah. Yeah. I, yeah that's a genre that like i just am usually you know i will say i do end up watching a few horror movies a year usually they're the big blockbuster ones um but a lot of times, honestly, I come back around to the popular ones at the end of the year and like kind of fill them in, fill in the gaps. And that, uh, based on your description of it, um, Sam Levinson aside, sounds interesting to me. Like that sounds like something I would be. Yeah, it's not. It's. I mean, it's nothing like the writing I, or I or direction yeah. of of Euphoria. But like, I, there's an element to that show that is almost like attacking the viewer um, with this sort of like aesthetic of hyper realistic sure. drug abuse and and kind of like I, I can't think of the word honestly you know what harmony harmony corinne does with spring breakers too is kind of the same thing where it's almost like there's this world that you're not a part of and even though there's this like darkness just underneath the surface it's wrapped up in this like it's like candy coated exactly yeah. yeah exactly in a way that's that's enticing if if you've ever felt on the outside yeah, like of a fly like, on the wall kind of thing like a, yeah you know, or if you're just like maybe you know ever like, felt like unpopular sure. or uh, you know un, uh not fitting in with the culture or something it's just it's like this siren's call that i think is very on the pulse of like you know popular culture and sure. and even youth culture today and in the last 
decade. Uh, certainly when as uh, as I was growing up, like I, it just it resonated with me. So I think I think talk to me lives up lives up to the hype. Okay, I I'll I'll check it out when it when it's streaming somewhere. I'm sure I'll watch it. Yeah, sure. I imagine that's pretty soon. I think it's eight twenty four. Um, okay, so it should probably come It'll to like showtime yeah, or something. They do something yeah. like that, you know. Okay, uh, the bottoms. You want to you want to <laughs> do the bottoms talk? Let's do it. Yeah, sure. I mean, Iota Debiri again. We've talked about a few. Iota Debiri is is good in it. I, I yeah, so, I am a, on the Iota Debiri train. Yeah. You know, she is so funny in theater camp. She is good. She's fine in um, in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Haven't watched the Bear, but I've heard good things. Dude, the Bear is incredible. So, yeah. very very good. But I'm 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 on board for Iowa Beer, and I like she is breaking out this year, and I I hope she keeps going. Like I hope she becomes a movie star because I think Bottoms is it's like a lesbian fight club is I guess essentially what you're <laughs> what you want to you want to call it like that I mean that's what they've been branding the movie as essentially right yeah like it, I mean it, it's not as like it's definitely not fight club it's there not, is a fight club but they but, reference it heavily yeah. and they build this fight club basically to hit on the popular girls it's this almost sort of like weird fantasy world that they're building in the movie yeah that like it's a high school but it's like it's like if you heightened to an especially it's like if you come if you combined like super bad and book smart and also like starship troopers (laughs) i don't know if you've seen starship i haven't but i can imagine but like okay so starship troopers is a is a satire of like militarism sure and american you know military culture uh and it's so hyper realistic to the point that it almost seems genuine like the satire is very yes it's very cutting but also you know you can can be read as authentic even you know uh and so it it feels like that to me it's like very it it's very on the line of this like hyper realistic and satirical take but also to the point of absurdity it is to the point of absurdity yeah. I think because it, you know like you go into the classroom and the football players are constantly wearing full pads and yes. like football like, uniforms and one of them is always in a cage because he's like a lunatic or something yeah. and classes last like five minutes before the bell rings and the characters are aware that it's too short a time and you know there are these this rival school that is famous for like literally murdering people. I mean people. a lot of that a lot of those little details like that where yeah. they like sit down for like five minutes and then the bell rings and they're like that's it that was yeah. class like that stuff I think works for I me. I do but then there's yeah. places where it gets so heightened that yeah. it's like I mean the finale I think is one of the weaker parts. Yeah the the internal logic of this movie is not settled I would say you know I like agree. there are scenes where it is hyper uh heightened and there are scenes where it is back down to a base dramatic level and it whipsaws between these different levels yeah. without any sort of you know logic to it where it feels to me like I'm like all right like maybe just not my sense of humor I guess sure, is what sure. I would say bottoms is uh the, the biggest problem I think it's me. definitely I think it's definitely divisive you know yeah. and if you're older you might be like what the hell am I watching you know it's very much a younger sense of humor, you know, kind of almost a Gen Z sense of humor. Sure. Um, but honestly, I think what lines up for me and some, you know, the way I like to, to, to be humorous in my own life is like exactly that where you say something 
completely outrageous and like a, de- a deadpan delivery that sure. people miss it and they or they, it takes them a second to hear it and they're like what the fuck <laughs> what are you <laughs> talking about yeah, man yeah, yeah. like there's there's so many moments like that where it, you're exactly right they are walking this this uh high wire of like ridiculousness you know absurdity um the characters are are hyper absurd just the most extreme versions of of something you know something in our on our culture or youth culture uh and then someone will say something completely real like i think there's one point where the girl's like talking about her stalker and how she has to report him she when she reports him to the police she calls and then they're like oh you have to fill out this online form so i fill out the form and then the form says to call and then i call and they're like yeah we can't do anything until he says right. he's gonna or until he tries yeah, to kill you extremely yeah. serious dark jokes yeah. in the middle of like <laughs> yeah. a jokey scene and it just like take for i mean i guess your mileage may vary but it just takes all the air out of like there is a, a actually very funny scene where they're trying to convince these girls are starting this club and they're trying to uh convince a teacher that won't give a shit yeah to, to <laughs> be the uh and that's yeah. that's marshall lynch, lynch yeah. who's genuinely the funniest part of this movie he's by a great. mile yeah. i think um, I'm trying to convince him to be in this movie and they're like oh you know like this guy hasn't been in class for weeks like I haven't seen him since the first week and it's like <laughs> yeah, and it's so funny great. it's oh, so man. funny and then he's like concert <laughs> suicide yeah exactly that kid committed suicide and it's just like it takes all the air out of you're just like oh god like I feel bad about laughing and it's just this yeah, is a movie I that, love that shit. absolutely did not and this is this is twice now for um with emma emma seligman Seligman. just her movies are to me i guess what i would say is her movies are tone completely tone to me like i feel like shiva baby did nothing for me on an intellectual or emotional level but that movie was like a you can even call it a high wire act it was a for lesbians sure (laughs) it was it was high tension intense tension and that is not the kind of thing that i enjoy so i kind of just wrote it off like this is well made it really ratcheted up the tension but not for me but this movie is just like a very weird vibe trip kind of movie and i couldn't i just couldn't get on the wavelength and i'm starting to think that emma seligman's movies are just an energy and a vibe that i just can't reach and uh, you know i i think that's totally fair don't yeah. want to write her off after two movies but for me personally doesn't doesn't work no i'm right i'm right there and uh, there's just so many moments like that too where <laughs> that that scene is is so great when they're trying to convince him to, to it's a funny sponsor, scene but like that's just, yeah. it's just like a dead spot it's like a black hole in the middle of the scene yeah. that you're just like <laughs> what am i fucking watching <laughs> Oh man, yeah, it's so good. Bottoms, man. Yeah, go see it if you want. It, did you know that it's like pretty ridiculous? One hundred seventy or something on the top two hundred fifty movies of all time on Letterbox. Yeah, but that's because it's a Letterboxd movie. You know, that's like true. it is a Letterboxd. There's a movie. bunch of you know, Letterboxd and like Twitter cretins that are just blowing that movie sure. out of proportion. Uh, not that it's bad or I think the same not to thing take away happened from it. with Shiva Baby too, you know, like that was a letterbox movie too. Yeah, it's uh, very much like social media that social media specifically like letterbox and and Twitter have a very particular like film culture, you know. Yes. And they will 
show up for certain movies like like Bottoms or Shiva Baby or you know there you know a letterbox movie when you see it yeah i like i saw a certain amount of like kind of gatekeeping behavior going around twitter i think i sent you something that i saw but like basically someone was just like i don't understand this like culture that is intense fanaticism around this movie like and kind of referencing it as like a gen yeah, z kind so of thing yeah it's so interesting and, There's like I, and a... I, I i agree like i don't understand the intense fanaticism around bottoms i don't disparage it like you know people have latched on to this movie and really are invested one of the people that i like i follow on twitter somebody that like is i don't know some hockey person that i i follow like was called it the funniest movie for in like 20 years or something like that wow, I'm like, that's high and praise. i'm just like that's not no like yeah. that's not the case but i like i'm glad people found this and are connecting to it but i like I don't know. Maybe it's just old man yells at cloud now. Like we're getting we're getting older, and it's just for me. This is a movie that I'm just like I do not understand the appeal of this movie in particular. You know? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that are that it's getting at, and the jokes that it tells. I think that that I appreciate, and just again that sense of like whiplash you know that you're talking about of like saying something completely insane <laughs> at a pace yes or a tone that is just like inappropriate for that moment Which and then it's usually so funny but the problem is it's so grim yeah <laughs> like and then moments, just letting right? that sit for a second right. it's just oh man i love it not not for me but. yeah i mean I, there's like uh you know it's n the entire movie not everything worked for me like i said i didn't like the finale very much it, you know just kind of devolves into this goofy sort of violence um which is fun but not really honestly like that at least conforms to some like sense of filmmaking that i have comprehension for you know yeah like that is a campy action sequence that i I was like, all right, and and you know what? I'll be honest. Um, I'm gonna have to pull it up to to find his name. But like the second football player, not Jeff, the the main villain of the movie. Oh but yeah, yeah. I I can't remember his name, but the the second sort of like his second in command, played by Myers Miles Fowler. Uh, his name is Tim. Is so batshit out there. Like <laughs> Dude, he, he is committed. He is the a only thousand percent. Iowa Beery gets there sometimes. Marshawn Lynch is in his own movie entirely. Yeah. But like um, Miles Fowler's character is so fucking out there that he's the only one that seems to truly understand what movie he's in. Yeah. And it works. He's so he's funny. Great. Yeah, he's yeah. great. So I, I don't know. Bottoms. Bottoms is bottoms. Let's wrap up this uh, what we've been watching section with a yes or no question. Should I watch Haunting in Venice? Yes. Okay. Then I guess I will. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't. There's not many movies on a list that I would say no to that question. I, yeah. would, I would answer that with Do no. You, can you think of one that you would say no? Uh, maybe something like just completely disturbing for disturbing sake, you know, like yeah. Cannibal Holocaust or something, <laughs> you know, like I wouldn't implore you to watch something that is really can be a traumatic experience that you might not get anything out of but certainly haunting venice you know you can you can watch it and at least enjoy some of it even not having seen 
the prior two. You literally need to know nothing about. I figured as much. But Agatha Christie or Kenneth Branagh or it's an anthology. Hercule so. Poirot, yeah. Okay. Nothing. Fair enough. All right, Zach, why don't we – it doesn't have to be a long segment. We've gone on a while here, but, you know – Yeah, we've covered a lot. Yeah, we like, is there anything you're looking forward to? So, like, I know the film festivals have been going. I wanted to just kind of put a little break in there, and maybe we can just talk about anything coming up. So one of the things I'm interested in, like, there obviously there's a lot of really, you know, very interesting things coming out. Um, off air, we talked about the Wes Anderson Raul Dahl adaptations coming to Netflix. Yeah, I think there's three um, of them. Hayao Miyazaki's got a new film, and I don't know how like keyed in you are to Studio Ghibli and like how much that holds a place in your childhood yeah. or anything. Not really much for me. I've seen Ponyo and Spirited Away. I, you know, Spirited Away is weird for me because like it is. People hold that up as one of the greatest, like uh, greatest animation films, certainly, but like greatest films of all time and for me that's a movie that's like weird i like like i liked it but it was weird um i i think there's a handful of ghibli movies like um my neighbor totoro specifically that are far superior but anyway um the film festival has been going on so i guess i i don't necessarily even really want to talk about like any specific movie and what we're hyped for what we're not or whatever but like i want to just talk about maybe just some things that are interesting to think about for the next you know few months of film going uh, a movie coming out next goal wins taika waititi i feel like this has been coming out for a long time when it was announced in 2018 or 2019 like they filmed this four years ago uh and it's just coming out now uh it, it's it seemed interesting right like you've got michael fassbender elizabeth moss as the leads in it Taika Waititi was coming off of Jojo Rabbit, divisive film, one I know you liked, one that's kind of receded in esteem for me over time. Like, every time I watch that movie, I'm just like, yeah, this this really doesn't have the cachet that I thought it did when that's interesting I first to me. saw it. I've seen it, like, four times, and every time I've watched it, I've been, like, less impressed by it. And it's not even, like, uh, even hearing the critical kind of panning of it since then like it's just literally every time i see it i'm like i see less of value in it and there's lots of movies like that you know that just you watch it once and then it doesn't have much of a rewatch value but i just i haven't seen much in it but anyway i feel like that was a movie that marked i guess uh, let's go back before that right he's coming off of thor ragnarok which was kind of widely regarded as a breathing big, new life into, yeah exactly into thor and mcu exactly like very widely adored and before that he i don't know if hunt for the wilder people um was the film that came out right before that but or what we do in the shadows like these are movies that are, have a cult following i've i haven't seen uh, what we do both in the are shadows, very great but hunt for the wilder people is excellent and i think like I, I guess my question i'm i'm interested in next goal wins the critical reception has been mixed, mixed to yeah. to be you know generous but what do we think about Taika Waititi right now? His career has been super interesting. Um, he was kind of like a, a little bit of a media darling for a second, you know, off those successes that you're listing. One 
I think it was best adapted screenplay uh, Jojo Rabbit did. So, yeah, it just all it seems to have turned on a dime to go from being a, like a warm reception and celebrated and now uh, off of Love and Thunder and, you know, the the where Next Goal Win is premiered kind of soured that. I think people, you know, he always had his detractors, even with Jojo Rabbit, that sure. people were uh, were mixed on it. Which even. I understand completely. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you when you depict the Holocaust, it's always going to be touchy and, and decisive, and especially to approach it as a comedy. Right. Um, which, I mean, it's not 100% a comedy, but it is very, there. you know, there's elements of satire and right. uh, childlike I, perspective. I think your lead character being a young child who is enthused with Nazism is always going to be like a a tough hurdle to jump. I think that is true. And I also think that that sucks. Like I, I, you, I get it. There is, you know, on the face of it, if someone approaches you and says, Hey, I want to make a movie about a kid, uh, who has become enthralled by Nazism. And then you, you pitch the story of like, okay, I have I have this kid. But he, Sam Rockwell's beca- character. Okay. You know? That's, that's, <laughs> like, that's a little separate, but I, you know, sure you have the, entirely you, is. you have this child who has fallen victim to this ideology uh, that is, you know, reprehensible and, and stupid. But he's and then, ultimately a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a child, but then, Okay, someone might say, like, okay, yeah, and then what? And then you're like, and it's a comedy, you know? And then you're like, wait. <laughs> and his best friend is yeah, Hitler, yeah, his, played Hitler's by Taika Waititi. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that that's that on the face of it is probably always going to be decisive. But I think what the movie, how the movie handles it, I think is is decent. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm not Jewish. I can't speak for how anyone would say that representation offends them or not as someone who you know may have had relatives or ancestors you know that were murdered by that regime but from my perspective i think as a child in nazi germany at the time who was subjected to that propaganda who is has a father figure that's absent you know he's dead sure yeah Um, and he adopts hitler as 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 this father figure like you know is a kid. I, I I get it. I, again, I'm, this is not a podcast to relitigate. Yeah, JoJo and but Rabbit. Sam Sam Rockwell's but character definitely problematic. I'll give you super, that. Super super problematic. And I think that's maybe that character specifically is like the epitomization of what has gone wrong for Taika Waititi or what has dragged him down from where like the pedestal that he was on five years ago or something like that that's true though but no not that specific not just that but like that is the personification of what it is the style he brought to ragnarok was refreshing but then love and thunder is taking nothing seriously and i think the reason people had a problem with jojo rabbit and i do want to move past jojo rabbit but like the reason that i think people had a problem with it is it treated such a delicate subject but treating it with a, a sort of cavalierness and like a jokiness and bringing humor but like I, and I, I think there is some balance in, in Jojo Rabbit too but like Love and Thunder is another one of the movies that takes nothing seriously it is joke after joke after joke that is just all of these characters are ridiculous they're doing ridiculous things and 
I think that Taika Waititi's embrace of this like hyper stylism of silliness is taking away from like sort of the cred he had built up from some of these smaller indie movies that were genuinely funny but actually like kind of devastating and heartfelt at the same time. Yeah, I mean, okay, so just to wrap up Jojo Rabbit before going into the to subsequent stuff, I do think that there are some missteps and some things that like come off as tone deaf for sure, especially his relationship with I can't even remember her name now. Thomas and McKenzie's character? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know what her character is. Yeah, I don't remember. But yeah, some of the stuff that happens between them definitely is like, eh. And then uh, ending it with like a, a, a Rilke quote that's like, let everything happen to you. That's kind of. Yeah. Dude. Sure. Yeah. Like, so there is some stuff in there that's tone deaf. Absolutely. I think that, in my opinion, at least most of that movie works. Sure. Um, and I don't necessarily feel like it's not like a like a green book situation where everyone everyone hates it, right? Like, yeah, you know, I I think that it definitely was mixed. There were some detractors, but overall, still positive. Yeah, there were some people that really really loved. It. Yeah, and then especially in main in the mainstream consensus, like off of Thor Ragnarok, like people really liked his his style and what he brought to the MCU. I think that Thor Love and Thunder is mostly a studio misfire in the sure. sense that, you know, Victoria Alonso, Kevin Feige, Luis Despacito, like all those these guys who are, you know, the producers and, and essentially the showrunners over at Marvel Studios turn the dial up to eleven. Yeah. I, I don't I I don't hundred percent blame Taika for the absolute failure that Thor Love and Thunder is. Sure. If you're looking at the success and critical and, you know, uh, mainstream reception of, of Ragnarok, I think it's a pretty easy mistake to say, let's turn this up to eleven and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, but I, I guess I I mean I just think that's a totally separate note, you know, like the Marvel studio influence on things. But I think that, like, why wouldn't it make sense to just go back to what made you successful in the first place? But that's a conversation for another. Well, I mean, podcast, you're lo- right? he was locked in already, right? For sure. for another film, and then, which is, I mean, a just problem. even so, like, even uh, you know, we have the Marvels coming out soon. Nia DaCosta just went on the record in an interview saying, "This is she, not my film." Yeah, she yeah. walked into this knowing this is not. My movie, right. uh, not a Nia DaCosta film, which is a bummer because Nia DaCosta is an awesome filmmaker. Absolutely, but so you know, you know, walking into that, that it's it's a meat grinder. Like you, you can sure. have input you, in it. You get what you can out of yeah, it. Yeah, they hired you for a, a whatever reason, you yeah. know, an aesthetic or a perspective that you bring. But ultimately, the dis- final decisions aren't yours. You're a figurehead at best. Yeah, and so I think that it's not a stretch to say that that also applies to to someone like taika even though his movie precedes the marvels like right. you know the but same I, thing happened with chloe zhao like, like happy to make that kind of movie too you know like i don't know i'm not yeah i mean i'm not a huge like taika defender i'm not gonna yeah i'm not gonna you know uh die on this hill but i do think it's a little bit maybe a harsher response than is warranted uh, and I'll, I'm reserving any judgment. I'm interested for, to see it for next school wins until right. until I watch it myself. Yeah, it's a movie I've been interested in seeing for a while because you know 
again. A and no matter with an interesting tone, telling a you know. Yeah. No matter what happens, I'm always going to be a big fan of, of Hunt for the Wilder People Such and and what we do in the shadows, and probably Jojo Rabbit. You know, like I I really like that movie and I uh, I definitely responded to it emotionally. So sure. Do you have any? I'll hand you the list here. Do you have any? Ah film festival movies or anything upcoming at all that you have like a you know a movie that you're interested in seeing or anything that you're like any question that comes to mind from something that's you know coming up question is not really i'm looking forward to poor things i'm a big yorgos fan um i've liked everything that he's he's made i except i haven't seen dog tooth but i haven't either but i i'm the lobster is good i like the lobster lobster. it's a little like offbeat for my sensibility but i i think it's good i think killing of sacred deer so good tilts too far in that direction of like yorgos lanthimos has this like sort of offbeat sensibility to him like dialogue is stilted that kind of thing and i think it was a little much for me in killing of a sacred deer a movie that i think could have toned it down a little bit to get a lot more out of exactly what he was trying to do um, but I'm psyched for poor things. I think he kind of got away from that a little bit with um, the favorite, which is amazing, incredible film. Favorite is good, and the least Yorgos of of his films. Exactly, and if this movie can find it, kind of strike that balance, I think Emma Stone is playing a sort of almost Frankenstein's monster like character. Yeah, um, I like Mark Ruffalo. I like the cast. Yeah, it, it looks uh, Rami Yusuf's in this movie, right? So yeah, it's awesome. Like I'm excited. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, poor things. Um, Saltburn. Where are you at on Emerald Fennel? Because uh, Promising Young Woman was divisive, divisive. to say the <laughs> least. It was a movie that I appreciated what it was going for. I don't know if I liked the movie as much as I kind of was like, all right, I get it, and I, you know, far be it from me to say whether that is like a helpful representation or interpretation of our modern culture and situation with regards to uh to that heavy heavy content um but per on a personal level i really liked it i think that the ending is probably the only sticking point for me i think it's almost too true to life in a sense like it's like it really, really feels you, like the way that movie needed to end, though, like for what it was going for. Yeah, I, I definitely think that, man, you know, again, I don't, I don't it, think it could have pulled off like a. I, actually, I don't even remember how Gone Girl ends. Doesn't isn't Gone Girl like a? I don't remember. I Gone Girl ends pretty dark. Does it? Okay. Yeah. So I mean, she she frames him for her own murder. I remember that. Yes. And then disappears. Um. And uh, through her own stupidity, uh, exposes her identity to random like opportunists right, who right. rob her for all the money that she stole from him. Okay, so I, that's the part I, I yeah. But so then, in an act of desperation, she frames Neil Patrick Harris for kidnapping her. Oh right, and holding right. her against her will, and then she goes back, uh, and then. A, a, a propositions Ben Affleck was saying like you know I I did that to you but then I also reversed it and now we we can either 
be together or you can continue being the villain in the story and I will do everything in my power to make sure that you still are uh, regardless. And then he decides to to stay with her. So yeah. in the end, they sure. get back together. Yikes. And yeah, it's really... You're a Fincher head though, right? I, yeah, yeah, I love Gone Girl. It's, are you excited for the killer? Yeah, of course. I, I am too. I, actually, that sounds like right up my alley too yeah. like and, and we I, also have killers of the flower moon scorsese oh, so coming out too that. yeah yeah um but can't wait for that yeah con girl the killer oh, is like something i'm really looking forward to because i'm not really like i'm i would say i'm like fincher agnostic you know like some of his movies work for me i was not a gone girl guy that movie didn't really do it for me but like fight club is great not for all the reasons that the internet like thinks yeah. it's great but i think that movie is actually great for all the reasons they they don't seem to understand um i think the social network's awesome yeah. um like he he has a sense for these movies and stuff and the concept of this one sounds you know really interesting to me about like a you Another know fassbender. A, an, an assa- yeah michael fassbender is great um an assassin who finds his humanity and like that that sounds interesting to me so I'm I'm psyched for that. So, but you are interested for Saltburn. I don't know. I just like. It feels like such a riff on like, that talented Mr. Ripley, and you know, I don't know. I Emerald Fennel is another director that seems like she gets yeah. the vibes sure. down. I mean, but you I can, like I don't know. I'm I'm if, not if, sure about if, it. You know, if there's anything you could say is she swings. You know, sure. she will. Not afraid to make people mad. Yeah, we'll take we'll take that bat and swing as hard as she fucking yep. can. And and certainly the ending of Promising Young Woman is absolutely that. Like, you know, you build up this sympathetic hero character yeah. on a crusade and just literally ragdoller, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think what is a little bit lacking for me there is is it's hard it's it's a delicate it's a delicate line to walk because you know the whole the whole act itself of of what the movie is about is robbing these women of their agency in in the moment and so like about the depravity of men yeah that is what the movie sort of ends with but at the same time you are almost creating this like weird fantasy yeah it's It's, yeah yeah, i almost wish there was a moment you know as as sickening as the final moments are um it almost i think would taste a little better going down if there was a moment where you can see in her face like she planned for this contingency you know Uh, we're like almost like she's laughing at the end right like exactly. uh, like, like a joker she, moment or she's something the character that intimately understands that this is yeah. the way things go and that yeah like because you know i mean yeah. obviously you at the end with the reveal of of the the police which is another a completely other situation of trusting that institution to follow up on this shit but like you know that going into the situation where she was trying to gather definitive concrete evidence of what happened to her friend that she planned for the contingency that she could die that yeah. she, that she you know that that her life was on the line trying to get this and so almost of like thinking like uh setting a a a gambit in the sense that you have two ways to win and her going out knowing like 
I won. I'm winning. Yeah, Yeah, this is this is the this is almost the best thing that could have happened because if you walk away with, you know, a confession or or physical evidence or, you know, even just a uh, you know, corroborating witness statements is not as powerful as a fucking body on a property with evidence of like you know, you know, not only circumstantial but physical evidence that they are responsible for her murder. It, it, you know, I, that, just, I just feel like that that movie is so bleak. In it is. That like, it really is. You know, and and maybe it sounds bad coming from a man saying this, but like that is a movie that is its whole thesis is like men are vile and evil and cruel in their whole, know. whole being but i but it i don't is. think it, i don't think it paints with such a broad brush but i think it does because bo burnham's character is posed as like a good guy there are yeah there so that's are the good thing. guys out there and i think my my thinking is like i you know far be it for me to say that like you know that, that twist is powerful right that's the conversation that though right in it. like that's important but at the same time like if there isn't some aspiration for men, like if there isn't some, that that sounded horrible to say it that way, but like if there isn't some character in that movie that is like there is a good man that exists, that this is what like men should be, it's just that all men are vile. Like it creates just a bleakness to the movie that there is no escape from this. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing to portray, you know, like men do heinous and vile things constantly, but like I, I guess it I just, think I don't know the Bo Burnham twist adds and takes something from that movie. I think I, like. I mean I think that that is you know from the perspective of a man like I think okay yeah you you feel like there's no representation in the movie of like what a good example is sure. right maybe her dad i think kind of but I mean, he's hardly a character clancy brown sits at the table and is like yeah. are you sure you want to be doing yeah, this I, I, I can't remember honestly <laughs> like, yeah. how impactful he is or something but honestly i don't think that that is a responsibility that is sure of that, that, that's not the that with a movie like this is not her responsibility to portray of course i think the number one thing that this is is uh putting on display and and sort of in centering in the crosshairs is this narrative of like when something like this happens the first thing people will say is like oh you know i only know him as a good person right it never in, it never talked to like me that way never yeah it's been going on like, yeah or thing. even yeah. johnny depp or sure you know like there's the the list is is infinite of, yeah. of situations where that has happened where someone will say they were an upstanding person they never did that to me they never made me feel that way etc sure. like you know i've known them but my that's whole still life. who they are it, yeah it, yeah or even you know with bo burnham's character it's not even necessarily who he is it's that he he let that slide he yeah exactly yeah, yeah exactly course, yeah. yeah and so uh, yeah i don't i don't think that's necessarily a responsibility of the film to portray right. that and also that it, it is centering that exact phenomenon. Exactly. And I think that the Bo Burnham twist does, you know, that even, really get at that point. Even the best the best person you know, the best guy you know could still could still exactly. Yeah. Is 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 just being a nice guy doesn't mean shit. Anyway, then that's the salt burn discussion. <laughs> yeah. But I yeah, I don't I don't know. Um I'm not sure. Like, is there anything else? Like, the Royal Hotel is something that I think you would be 
anticipating Kitty Green movie, also starring Julia Garner, follow up to The Assistant, um, Jessica Henwick. I would like to condemn the AMTP because uh, fuck them for taking Dune Part 2. Fuck Dune Part 2, man. And also Ponderosa. I really wanted what to... What is Ponderosa? Or not, not Ponderosa, Problemista. That's what I'm thinking of. Ponderosa is Survivor, but uh, <laughs> Problemista is the one with... Ponderosa, um, I just think of like uh, Tilda Always Swinton. Sunny. Tilda Swinton and... Yeah, I've um, seen a trailer for that movie, I think. Yeah. I, you know, didn't necessarily pique my interest. Dune Part 2 moving has had literally no effect on my... Uh, Dune Part One was garbage. You're uncultured. Uh, not a Vinuv guy, but have you seen Prisoners? No, but people tell me to watch Prisoners, and I'm just like, it's bleak. Man, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, at this point, where I'm at with Vinuv is like, but you've seen Arrival. I've seen Arrival, and again, it's Arrival is like Dune is like Blade Runner 2049 is fuck off. Like anything is like fuck it's all off. style like, and no arri- substance. Are you kidding me? Arrival it, that movie is not good. It's fine. Fuck off. It's fine. Dude. Arrivals is the most accessible film, I think, by far. I agree, and I still think it's fine. And it's fine. so good. I think uh, Dune is middling. I think that Blade Runner is middling to bad, and no. I think that Arrival is have fine. You seen, have you seen the original Blade Runner? No. Okay. Um, then what do I need to? <laughs> <God>. <laughs> All right. All right. Because, I mean, the original Blade Runner... And then paired with Blade Runner twenty forty nine, it expands on a lot of those ideas. I I love Blade Runner twenty forty nine, not only because I'm a huge Ryan Gosling fan, film. Have I seen but also, uh, like, man, it 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 just tackles so much. It's a very dense movie. Yeah, I don't know. Dune, I mean, it Dune really. Garbage. I mean, even just like it tackles like the hero's journey kind of stuff, and it's it's really good. And I mean, yeah. I even just Dune to, Arrival to look at is twenty forty nine. Fucking incredible. Not not interested. That's insane. I'm tired. Man. I'm tired of it. That's you know. Insane. I, I and I okay. That brings us into Wonka. That you looks know? terrible. It looks. So it does. Bad. It so I. This is the thing, right? Like I. I like Paul King. I am. I I do too. I'm not a Timothy Chalamet hater. No. You know. I think he's fine in a certain type of role did right? you watch bones and all no <laughs> did you <laughs> yes <laughs> was it good it's good yeah okay i like I, again mostly because i'm mark rylance i think but okay mike mark rylance is great but i think that timothy chalamet is good at a certain type of thing and he has become an a-list like definitely movie. cannibalism <laughs> sure he, he has gone from, like, you know, the moody, angsty teen character in something like Lady Bird or something like, uh, what was the Steve Carell movie? Um, uh, Beautiful Best Boy. Best Beautiful Boy, Boy. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, like, he goes from that to now this, like, Hollywood leading actor. He's not an action star. I don't think he fits Dune super well. And then now— He's got he, kind of a Luke Skywalker vibe. Whiny and— I don't know. But stringy. He's, he's just— I don't know the the emotional range that he has extends from angsty to moody like that is his thing and I I just don't see it and and Dune it didn't work for me but like Wonka I feel like they cast him because he's like skinny and has curly hair and vaguely reminiscent of Gene Wilder but he has none of the like instinctual timing and comedy chops that gene wilder does it would have been cooler to see someone like uh 
Oh man, what's the guy who plays um, Zero in Grand Budapest? Oh sure, that would have been interesting. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of his name. He's uh, he's also in he's, French Dispatch, right? But he's also the guy in uh, Spider Man, right? He's the yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I can't yeah, think yeah. of his name. Uh, he plays Flash. Yes, and Flash. interesting. So anyway, we've gone on a long time here. Uh, Want to name any one movie that you're like? I'm hyped for this. Five uh, Nights at Freddy's. Five Nights at Freddy's. Okay, I'm I'm hyped for. We already talked about it. With poor things. I'm like I am super. I got a poster <laughs> hanging up in my house. I'm excited. <laughs> it's uh, it's gonna be good. All right, Zach, so that's going to do it for this episode of Spinning the Reel. Where can people find us? Uh, Spinning the Reel, that's R-E-E-L.com. has links to all our podcast platforms as well as a numerous amount of reviews that... Which I just wrote one recently. Evan has written. What's that? Landscape with Invisible Hands. So read about it if you want. Uh, That's the Alien movie? Corey Finley movie. Uh, Yeah, Alien movie. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hopefully we'll be back next week. So with that, do you want to say... Yeah, and maybe Cody will be be joining us. Do you want to channel Cody's spirit and say goodbye to the people? Bye. (laughs) Bye.